Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. Welcome in once again. Before we get started, I have to poke some fun at myself. Our guest coming up literally has a six-letter last name, and I, for whatever reason, at certain points during the podcast, could not get it right when I tried to give her website out. So let's set the record straight before the interview starts so I don't confuse you as we get into the interview. It's jenniferdewarick.com. It's Jennifer and then D-W-O. R-E-K.com. So now you have the correct website, even though I'm going to confuse you during the podcast. And let's talk about Jennifer. She's had a successful career as a nurse, but she made a transition. Her calling is to be a photographer. She talks about all that and why she believes the universe wants you to be successful as long as you will listen. And you should listen today. So we're going to get started in just a second. But if you want extras from Jennifer and a way to get the podcast early and support the podcast and Athena International, go to womenreallymeanbusiness.com, check out the top of the site, and you'll see how you can support us. But without further ado, let's get going. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, episode number 56, starts now. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. I'm Jeff Blitnikoff. I have a photographer with me right now. Actually, I shouldn't, shouldn't just say photographer, very talented photographer. And she's got a very interesting story as well that we're going to dig into in just a second. Her name is Jennifer Dworak, and it's her website is jenniferdewarick.com and it's J A, I'm sorry, J E N N I F E R D W R E K.com, jenniferdewarick.com. And here's a little aside for you. We're going to bring Jennifer in right now because I'd like to get my guest on as soon as possible. But a little aside is this is the second take of this podcast. First take, I couldn't get her last name right. I couldn't spell D-W-R-E-K, six letters, D-W-O-R-E-K. See, I just keep messing it up. (laughs) And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm on the podcast with you? Come on. But uh, (laughs) Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here tonight. Even even if I can't get your uh, website completely right, I promise to have it right by the end of the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, and I love the story you have, and I think that we can jump off right from this part of the bio. You are an award-winning portrait artist working in Erie, PA, and you started out as a critical care nurse straight out of college, but your love of photography has grown. I'm like, wait a minute, it's grown, and but critical care nurse, boy, that's a lot of training, a lot of stuff to do to become proficient at that. Now, all of a sudden, you're running a full-time photography business. So I would just love to hear the backstory on that as we start the interview. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, yeah, I worked uh, locally as a nurse here for about five years. And actually, what happened was I started traveling. I got um, licensed in about 15 different states, and I would take travel assignments. And really, that's where I kind of picked up my camera. So, you know, back in, rewinding a little bit, back in high school, I was the, you know, typical, like, on yearbook and just loved capturing just people and places and things. And when I started traveling, I was alone. 
And so the best way to share with friends and family is, of course, to photograph your environments. I worked in beautiful places like Hawaii and St. Louis, New York City, wine country, Napa Valley. So I found myself enthralled with like taking images of the people and the places that I was visiting. And I I did get to a point in my career, like you said, I mean, I, I did nursing for about 12 years and I did a lot. Started as a staff nurse and went into travel nursing, but then I also worked at the University in Cleveland teaching students through care clinicals at the clinic in Cleveland. And then um, from there, I actually did education. So I got wrapped up into the medical device world and was teaching in different hospitals throughout the country. And again, it was all wrapped around this travel. And what happened, and really, I wasn't pursuing this, but, you know, I kind of hit, I don't even know how, maybe I was like 30 and I was like, wow, I really feel like there's, there's something out there that I'm supposed to be doing, but I wasn't really sure what it was supposed to be. And I, I really struggled with this, like internally, because it was really good. I love nursing. I'm really good at it. In fact, I, I started my college career as a pre-med student, I was going to, I was going to be a doctor, but decided I didn't want to spend my entire 10 to 12 years in college and in school. So, you know, I just actually, the universe just kind of kept sending me messages and symbols and people that influenced my decisions. And for like several years, I would say about two or three years, I, I didn't know what to do because I was getting more and more people asking, you know, to work with me on the photography side of things while I was balancing this career of traveling and educating and um, it was a struggle. Uh, I, I was really unsure and I, I had a hard time not listening to everyone else. And I really was practicing on how to find my inner voice and listen to my intuition and, and just do try, take risks because I really felt at that time that there was this other thing that I was meant to be doing and I had to give it a chance. Um, I, I, you know, it was hard because like you said, I mean, not easy going through nursing school and let alone being a critical care nurse. It, it, and, you know, it's a juggle, you're juggling like two, two different opposite careers. Like I didn't take any business classes in college. So I was really unprepared with what that meant to open the studio and run your own business. and But I just knew that this was what I was supposed to be doing. And very early in my photography career, I, I found some mentors uh, real quick and I won some um, scholarships to attend really amazing workshops with some of um, like the Canon Explorers of Light, which are photographers across the world that Canon chooses to represent their company. And I was getting to be with them in the room and shoot with them. And um, so I had some really great mentors. The one that I would, I kind of credit all of this to is I had a teacher here in Erie at the art museum. So they, they have photography classes. And at the time, a gentleman named Art Becker was teaching. And so I took anybody interested, I took a, uh, a basic photography class and you know, he really was like, you know, you have an eye for this. You really need to kind of learn more about it and see if it's something you love. So that's what I did. I just, I kept going and it wasn't easy. The photography is very technical. It's not solely creative. I mean, it's a lot creative, but it's a lot of techy gear. That's what I did. I, I followed what I thought to be true. Of course, I had all kind of people were like, are you nuts? Like you have a really good job and went to school for this and you know, you should continue nursing. And 
I just, I don't know what it was. It was just this inner voice saying, you know, you need to, you need to hone this craft. You need to figure this out because you have an audience that's asking for it. So I told myself back then that if I was going to give up this career that I knew, loved, and was good at, that I would really do this right. So I was very passionate about not only learning the photography industry and you know the technical side of it, but really understanding how to create the successful portrait business. And so that's what I did. And I, I, I started it in 2011. I didn't incorporate until 2015. So I've been doing it for like the last eight years and it's been a great, journey. Definitely highs and lows, but I mean, it's been amazing. And I've been really everything I've tried, I've succeeded at. So I just kept going. And I think that's what kept me going. So that's kind of a backstory on it. Well, what don't we know about the technical side of photography? Because, you know, for me, a layman's point of view, and this is interesting that you said about all the technical aspects of it. And of course, in any career, there's more than meets the eye. But Maybe you could explain to me in the audience, what are some things we don't know about photography? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because as I went on this journey myself, I definitely learned that, you know, I, I tell um, the kids that I work with now is 90% business and 10% using your camera. A lot of people just, I think there's a false belief around photography. Like if you buy a good camera, it's going to take good pictures. But in my business, I've found that, not entirely to be true. The technical side. So as as you grow as a photographer, basically you're excited. You get a camera, and then you want to figure out how to use this equipment. So there's all kinds of different lenses. And if you're just you know shooting in natural light, then you're not really focused on that lighting. So once you get really good at using your camera and seeing what the different lenses, the results they give, then you can kind of move on to more challenging technical things, the studio lighting. But what the photographer goes through when when they're on a shoot is you're really in that creative mind field. So you're you're not really like you have to accomplish all the technical things so that you, when you're shooting it's it's like riding a bike. Like you want to be able to use that camera or like playing a piano. Like you're not even thinking about the notes you're hitting. You're just using your equipment because when you're shooting somebody at, at a session, you're really engaging with them and the portraits that like the end result of these portraits is really the client is portrayed as as you almost. It's, it's really hard to explain, but at least in, I, mean, I can only really speak for portraits. But when you're photographing somebody, you're capturing them being with you and how they respond to you. So you can't really be in a technical mindset when you're actually on a shoot. You have to be engaging and getting those reactions out of your clients, those authentic looks. Um, and that's, that's the challenge really there because when you start, you're very much in like the technical mind. Like, you know, professional photographers shoot what's called manual mode, which means they control every part of that camera. We can select how fast the shutter is and how wide the lens is going to be open to let light in. And when you're kind of an amateur, you just put it on automatic and take some pictures and it, the camera does the thinking for you. So it's very much learning that technical part of it so that when you are doing your craft, you can engage with your, your client and really get those authentic looks. And it's so easy to, for, well, at least for me now, to see like 
when I'm with somebody, I can tell when they're not relaxed or when they're not opening up yet. And that's really photography. That's really what it is. Is it's not so much the gear that you're using. It's those are those are tools that we use. And you know, there's a lot of you can be a natural light photographer and not have to worry about more technical things, or you you can work in studio like I do, and and learn all of the other parts of lighting and studio lighting and the modifiers you can put different devices on the lights to make the light a different shape and a quality but really the catch to being like really good at your craft is being able to connect with whatever is on the other side of that lens and in my case it's it's clients it's real people that that have hired me to commission a portrait from them and so I guess that's the falsehood I think a lot of people think is they, they can just get a camera and take some pictures and, and it, that's it. So it's definitely a growing curve that you must go through as if you're, if you're your newbie and you're getting into it, learning as much as you can about how to use your tools so that when the time comes to have paying clients, you can then deliver on what, what it is that you want to create. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because it's interesting that podcasting and photography have a lot of similarities in that I have technical things. I have a microphone and I have a windscreen and I record on Skype and all those things. And you really have to get the technical things out of your way so that they don't become a distraction to you. So if I'm sitting here fumbling with the levels on my microphone as I'm trying to interview you, well, not going to be a very good result because you're going to be pretty tense on the other end. And I hadn't thought about your demeanor in taking a portrait is going to be how that person reacts to you. It's same thing with me on a podcast. Like I'm intentional about creating a very relaxed environment in this podcast so that people can kind of lay back and really listen and dive right into the story that the guest is expanding on. And you must do that in, I'm imagining, in photography where the client comes in and they just can kind of lose themselves in the moment and they can really have their authentic self shine through. Am I right about that? Yeah. And it's, it's how they react to you. So just like you said with, with you in the podcast, like every client of course is different, but you have to create the environment that you want to showcase in that portrait. So, you know, every photographer is different and you'll, you see that in their work. So once if you have say like Annie Leibovitz or Platon, you, you definitely see differences in the portraits that are created. It take a celebrity, for example, that's been photographed by many different photographers, professionals, all of their portraits are different. And it's, it's the reaction of that environment that's created with that specific photographer. And so that's the interesting thing about portrait photography is that, you can elicit that. I mean, I don't want to say like regular people, but it's it's a very frightening thing to do is you feel very vulnerable to come into a shoot and not really know that person really well. And it's scary for them. So you have to actually put yourself on the other side. And I encourage all photographers, if they have not done it yet, is to let somebody else photograph you because you can feel the nerves and everything that, that goes on, even though they're smiling, even though they're, they're you know, they're, they look uh, relaxed. It's very nerve wracking to be vulnerable like that in front of a camera. My job as a photographer is to relieve that even before the shoot starts. And, and I do that. I definitely have a specific process that I guide my clients to. There's a lot of work that goes in 
to creating um, that end portrait in, in the beginning. I do go to my clients' homes and uh, what's called a style and consultation. Um, I sit down with them for about an hour and we discuss how they would like to be seen, who they would like to be photographed with, what sort of outfits, you know, what sort of end result, the colors, if they want to decorate their home with wall portraiture, you know, what colors are we looking for? So it's very much a process that when my clients come into the studio, they know what's going to happen. <laughs> They're ready to go. They know what they're bringing. And so that helps a lot to relax them and then let them be themselves. And usually I want to say like for almost every one of my clients, 10, 15 minutes into the shoot and they are just, you see them open up. It's just, it's, a, it's like magic. And I've had my clients say to me, like, I don't know how you did this. Like I was so afraid to come in here, but it's just creating that environment for them to trust you and and that's not an easy thing to do so I'm really proud of the way it hasn't always been that way of course you know this is a learning process and I was able to create this experience is really what what I sell for these people because it it is life-changing and I didn't realize that coming into this that I'm very much still a nurse <laughs> even though I am a photographer photography is what I do but my business is all around my journey. Um, it's all about me. My brand is me and my journey and my message to them. And what happens during the shoot is just remarkable. It's, it, it is magic. And I don't know. And that's how I operate. And, and my clients love it. It's very rewarding. I've had people come and say it's like 10 years of therapy. Like, why didn't I do this sooner? Because I didn't know what I was doing the first four or five years of my business until I did a lot of high school seniors. So I had a lot of moms coming in saying, I don't know what you said to my daughter, but she's different. She's like more outgoing and she's trying out for things at school now. And it's, it's definitely more than just a girl in a camera. Let's talk about how you developed this business in that you could have really just wrote it out as a critical care nurse. As you said earlier in the interview, you love nursing. Wouldn't have been a problem to stay as a nurse, but this inner voice kept getting louder and louder and louder, and you couldn't silence it. You finally had to listen to it, and then you had to make this big life and business change. What did you do to, first of all, listen to that voice, and second of all, find the courage to make this transition into something that was stable into something that was unknown? I mean, there wasn't any one thing. It was, it was a series of events that really growing as a person. I grew up in a household that was, you know, not the most supportive, I guess. And so I was very smart. Obviously, I went to, went to school and became a nurse. But I, I felt like I was always trying to succeed for other people. And this was the first opportunity that really presented itself to me where I could really shine as who I am. As a person, I needed it more than it needed me to, to be created. And along this journey, I started kind of um, in the world of personal development and learning a little bit about how these messages come to us and when we're ready to hear them. I mean, so for example, I mean, I don't know how much you know about this, this kind of realm of personal de development, but it's basically like, the universe wants us all to be successful. And I believe that we were all given inherently these traits that we're meant to use. And sometimes 
we don't listen to them and we end up in careers that we don't like or, you know, you just, I worked with nurses that were just like every day they'd come into work unhappy and I saw this and I, and it's about really growing your awareness. So like sometimes you just go about the, the hamster wheel, if you will, and you don't really notice it. But when you are struggling with life changes and stuff, you really start to notice things more and, and you develop that awareness where you're like, yeah, this is something that I should probably look into. Like, I can't really listen to anybody else because it's not their decision to make. I, I didn't grow up learning about any of that, how to listen to yourself, what is your purpose and, and why are we, what, what is the whole goal of this all? And so kind of as I grew and decided like, you know, I did both for a while. I did the nursing and the photography because it wasn't like just one day I woke up and I'm like, I'm quitting nursing and I'm going to start this photography business. I did both and I really gave it a chance and I'm like, I can do both for a while until I get settled. I really didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't have a business background. So I just had to have faith in myself. And, and I think when you start doing that, it's so rewarding because you get rewarded you get, when, when little accomplishments happen, you're like, wow, I did that. And so that feeds your soul, right? You don't, most of us, especially with social media now are walking around seeking validation from people on Facebook or Instagram. They want, you know, you to like and love and comment on things. But really the true point of all of this is really to find what it is that you're really good at, that you really love to do and to listen to that voice and to use it because when you use it, you develop your service. So I believe that you know, I was given this, this creativity and this, I don't know, I guess it's, it's a mixture of business know-how and creativity to create something that really nobody in our area is doing. And I, I get to help people change the way that they live and see themselves. And it's not just like they're going to go home and lose five pounds. Like it's life changing. It, I wouldn't have said that four years ago, but after client after client, I hear it every day. It's like something happens where I they they're allowed to be who they are in my studio. And I, I mean, as a woman, we tend to take on a, a lot of different roles. You grow up, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, and now you have all these roles. Maybe you have a business or you know just a career, but it's hard to really spend time with yourself to get to know yourself. Really, when you grow up and go through high school and college and stuff, you're still relying on your, your parental unit to like guide you and so you don't make mistakes and stuff. But nobody really spends the time to develop on self-love and how, how to reward yourself and how to know what you're really good at. Because you go through this like trophy generation where everybody's a winner and it's simply not true. Some kids are better at things than others and they need to develop that and learn that before they go off to college and, and then find themselves in a career that they're like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. Like, this doesn't feel right to me. That's kind of my whole mission in life is to take this craft that I am good at and learn and to be creative with it, but to also serve these clients and help them see like, look, take away the kids, take away the job, take away all those goals. Who are you underneath all of this? And let me see that and let me show others. What you said is really resonating with me because this podcast is really an inner voice type of thing for me. And I want to dovetail into your one-on-one coaching and your mentoring and stuff like that. And we can kind of talk 
talk about me for a second as a jumping off point. But it was in around June 2018, I had the idea to do a podcast, but it was going to be a tech podcast because I had 20 years in digital media up to that point, around 20 years. And my chiropractor, Dr. Tammy K. Cassa, who, of course, was guest number three on Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International. We were just talking one day at her office, and she's an Athena PowerLink winner. And all of a sudden, long story short, this idea to do a podcast that focused on women in business came to me. And all of a sudden, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. And even though I had 20 years of tech experience, and it would have been just much easier to do a tech podcast... I had to and was compelled to bring this podcast to life and had a lot of help from Athena and whatnot. And, but it was all inner voice. I still to this day cannot explain why I knew this was the right direction, but here I am and I have had no doubt since then. So how do you react to that story? Well, I mean, I think you're lucky that you were able to listen because not a lot of people even know, like, and you don't have to explain it. I mean, it just you have to feel it and you just do it. And we have a lot of false beliefs that we create and, and it puts fear in our way, right? So a lot of people do hear these messages or like, little things trickle in and they don't, they don't know what to do with them or they just ignore them because somebody told them that's a stupid idea. So I think you're, you're lucky that you, you know, you were able to be like, yeah, I, this is what I need to do. Like I'm going to just do it because really the most successful people in the world, that's what they do. You just get this idea, you get this feeling and you go for it. And there's always going to be people that are, going to try to maybe influence you not to do that because they, it, it doesn't line up with their ideas, but it's your life. <laughs> it's what feeds your soul. And when you find your purpose, then it becomes a service to others. So that's kind of the secret is, you know, you're on the right track when you're getting the feedback that you're helping people because that's how it was meant to be. We're given talents and traits and skills so that we can serve others. And it's as simple as that. So finding what you love because the universe wants you to be happy. You know, they don't want you to walk through life and worry about your bills. And I have to stay in this job because it's a comfort place. It's meant to kind of work backwards. And I'm really passionate about sharing that with others because I think more people will start to listen to themselves. And when you're happier, you're going to treat others happier. You're going to, you're going to have a happier life and it kind of resonates. So, I mean, that's just my theory of things or what my experience and what I've learned, but I really feel like it's as simple as listening to yourself to find your purpose because when you do, it will work and you won't have to worry. And you'll be then sharing that with others to help, other people. And that's, I think, the ultimate goal, isn't it? You mentioned service. And I think as long as you're giving to the world, the world gives back to you because you've mentioned that like it's kind of a dual thing, right? What you're doing is you found your purpose, but this purpose is really serving others. And by serving others, you're deriving all this happiness. And it's kind of this like really kind of awesome circle. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's what it's supposed to be look like. Um, it's about abundance and gratitude. And if you listen to any, 
you know, other podcasts where they're interviewing like highly successful people, you're going to hear those same words from people. Um, I think the, the, the biggest thing, the biggest help you can do to help yourself start this journey is to start, start really thinking about what you're grateful for and writing it down and, and making it a daily practice. Because when you do that, the world, is, it's just abundant. There's, there's so much love and money and resources available to us, but we have these, like I said, false beliefs that we can't have that. <laughs> we don't deserve that, which are just, you know, fears that we're putting in our, in our path. And if you get on this train, it's like snowballs. It's just one thing after another. And it's not all like, what is the expression? Dead daisies or whatever. It, it's not all easy. It, there's definitely things that are going to come up. But when you practice awareness and really looking at the world, waiting for those messages, listening to them, that they show up, the lessons have to happen. You have to have failure to learn how to grow. It's impossible to grow without failing. So it is the circle and there's all these other things that, you know, the more you do, the bigger it's going to get. Well, let's head into our Athena-based questions. And <laughs> this this question here is uh, perfect for you. I mean, I could not have, out of the eight principles, could not have given you a better one to comment on after hearing all the things you've said in this interview. So as listeners know, there's eight Athena Leadership Principles from the book Becoming Athena, Eight Principles to Enlightened Leadership by Athena International founder Martha Mertz. And Jennifer, your one to comment on, your principle is build relationships. I think that's 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 you all the way. I mean, what, what does build relationships mean to you? I mean, you could look at this from a, a couple of different perspectives. I mean, definitely it's me in my in my business, but I've learned through this journey that building relationships is not only important at the day of the shoot, but well before that. People need to know and and like and trust you, Simon Sinek, a quote from him, before they're going to really purchase anything from you. And so it's important to kind of date the world, I guess. You really need to hone your, your relationship, your communication skills. You know, make sure that you're spending time in your weekly calendar to meet new people. There's always going to be these opportunities or people that present themselves to you that you're like, I was just talking about meeting somebody like you. And then they show up at your door. And it's amazing. Like, the more you do this, the more you put yourself out there and, you know, maybe have coffee dates with people that you just met at a networking event. Really make it a point because it's that's what builds businesses, right? That's what builds character. That's what builds brands. I think that's probably the single most important thing that anybody can do, regardless of what business they're in, is really make that a priority because you know, if you're selling to people, that's important. And I do it, you know, at a customer level, but I also do it because I want to work with other artists. I want to collaborate with other businesses. And so, you know, I make it a point to do at least two networking slash um, coffee dates a week with somebody. So if I don't have an event to go to, then I'll call up somebody that is in my a card that I picked up at, at one of the last networking meetings and I'll call them and be like, hey, I want to get to know you more. Like, let's have coffee because that's really the 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 secret to success is is the people that you surround yourself with. Well, let's talk about uh, you being a female business owner. Let's talk about how 
women are elevating other women in business. Um, it's always a, uh, a key thing that we like to know here on the Women Really Mean Business podcast presented by Athena International, because that's what Athena is about, raising women to be leaders in business. So what's your perspective on women helping other women when it comes to business? I mean, it's great. That's what we should all be doing. It's challenging, though, because not everybody's on that page yet. So it's something that, it, at least in, I never really looked at my business. I mean, yes, I'm a woman-owned business, but I never really, like, that was never really, like, a huge deal for me to, to kind of say, like, oh, look what I created, and I'm a woman. Because I believe that women are, like, extremely talented at um, managing role, their, their other roles, right? So they... they I think they're born entrepreneurs. If you're a mom and you can juggle like three to five different kids' schedules and everything that goes with having children, you're basically a business owner. I mean, moms are running their own businesses at home. So to have the support of other women when you run your own business is like 10 times more empowering because we're kind of built that way, right? We we want to love and support people. And so I think we're the ones that might reach out more and say like, hey, let me, I got this for you. Let me help you with this. You know, I, not that men don't do it, but like, I think like we have some other skills that make it easier for us to help other women. It's like the slumber parties or like when you were, where you were younger and you're doing makeovers with each other. Like we always kind of grew up with that mindset of like just groups of girls having fun together and leading each other. And I don't know that boys do that, but I think it's just innate in in us. So it's very natural to want to help, but I would say not everybody's on this page. And and I recently heard top Fortune 500 companies, only 5% of them are, are women owned or led. So I definitely think we're seeing a lot more women owned businesses because the amazing support, different companies helping to come in to take some of those, I guess, day-to-day tasks off our plate so that we can run not only our home business, which means being a mom or, you know, if you do own your own business from home, but like running and succeeding in those other roles, right? So I think we're really good at juggling all of that stuff, but getting rid of or learning how to delegate and, and getting rid of like things like Instacart is amazing. I don't have to go grocery shopping food arrives at my house like all these little things I, I guess if you look at history I mean in the 50s you were a housewife you cooked and cleaned and had parties and and now that that's been a huge transition with women in the workforce and now women CEOs it's definitely nice to have options so that you can kind of lead and succeed and help other people because I think we've already got that in us and, and we want to do it but it, you know, you have to juggle so many things. So being able to support other women is only going to grow your business bigger if you can, you know, learn how to delegate those other things that maybe get in the way. All right, we're going to get into our final two questions, some resources. I'm going to ask you about anything that inspires you, anything that you think people should plug into. And I'm going to take one more shot at getting your website right. JenniferDwarick.com, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-D-W-O-R-E-K.com. I think I finally got it. <laughs> you got it. You got it right. <laughs> and, and you know what? She, and Jennifer's being very kind now. She's not uh, rolling me under the bus that she could say that 
you just did a re-record because you, for the second time, you can't, you couldn't get it right, and you had to edit yourself out of there. So that's, I'll just, <laughs> I'll make that admission to folks right now that this is a second edit. I don't know why. I was trying to say your website. I was spelling it out like I was trying to say it. And my pronunciation, I guess there was some kind of mental block that I had. But anyway, we're past. That's okay. all, <laughs> we're past all that. You got it. I got it. Finally, 85th time is the charm. <laughs> right. But what are some resources besides people plugging into your website and checking out your work? What are some other things that you think they should would benefit from? Well, I mean, really depending on where you're at, I would definitely, at least for me, what I did was started to look outside of my industry for inspiration. And I I have a 25, 30 minute commute to work. So I listen to podcasts every morning, every day. Some of the greats that I love is Lewis Howes. He is interviewing some of the most amazing people in the world. And I really enjoy his podcast because it's not a single subject. It is literally life-changing people that you should, that anybody, no matter what industry you're in, should know who they are. So he's great. Jay Shetty, if you're really in, more inspirational, spiritual, um, he was a former monk turned motivational speaker, and he is amazing, and he he's from England, so he's a great accent, so he's a very easy listen on the, on the drive to work. I do recommend trying to read a book a week. There's so much information on running businesses and marketing and sales. And, you know, if you're a business owner, you really should be diving into all these um, really great, like, New York Times bestsellers. I actually go to a bookstore, and it's a place they have half price books, and I buy, I have a list that I keep, and I, I'll buy, like, 10 to 20 books at once. And I put them on my shelf, and then I, I have a book. I have my own little library that I just pull them out and start reading them. And, you know, I make time in my day to kind of, when I'm waiting, to, to kind of open the book and, and start just reading a few pages here and there. Because you can, I mean, it takes about two hours to read a book. So a book a week isn't, isn't hard to do. So definitely read more podcasts. I am uh, doing some education with a gentleman named Benjamin Bouchard, who is a high performance coach. He's amazing. He's coached people like uh, Oprah and her team, uh, Richard Branson, Tony Robbins, and he's amazing. And I, I was fortunate to go to his event last year in San Diego and uh, to be surrounded by people that just want to be them, their best selves is amazing. So I would definitely look at his, he has five New York Times bestseller books and have podcasts and education sites. And there's a lot there if you're looking to like really take yourself to the next level. Yeah. So those are some of my favorite. Well, I'm going to pass the mic back over to you, Jennifer. And as people that listen to this podcast frequently know, I start with the guest, I end with the guest. And so I would like to have you take this podcast out and address the audience with whatever you want to talk to them about. Jennifer, the floor is yours. Oh, okay. Well, I I think, I mean, I, kind of redundant here, but I think like, I guess the biggest message that I'd like to send to people is to really start, no matter what age you are, start really taking some time for yourself and figuring out who you really are and doing the work that's involved with that because you're really going to surprise yourself on what you find. It's so rewarding. I mean, we're all out there just kind of hustle and bustle and we're all busy, but when you start really breaking it down and looking at things, 
you have time for yourself. <laughs> you you can make yourself a priority. And, you know, when I work with my, like, younger girls, so, like, I would say the most impressionable age to have your portrait taken is probably the 12 to 14-year-olds. It's a really great time. Really, nobody's photographing them, and they want to be seen. It's, it's a time where they're transitioning and trying to discover who they are. And when they come into the studio, they, it's, again, it's, it's life-changing for them because they get a chance to just have a day for themselves, to just do and say and wear whatever they want. And it's, it's almost like they're a queen for the day. And I can't think of a better gift to give a preteen than a day for themselves. And it doesn't have to be a portrait session, but it's a great gift. It, it could just be, you know, taking them somewhere and everything that revolves around them for that day. You know, when you're, I have a daughter, she's, she's 15, she's going to be 15 in a couple weeks. And, you know, I watched her go through this phase and it's tough for them in the world that we live in now. They're comparing themselves to all these other social media celebrities and they're not sure who they're supposed to be. So looking outside for what should they do? And, and really we're ignoring the fact that we need to show them who they already are, what, what they're already good at and helping them figure out what they love because it's going to be easier for them through high school to pick those electives and when they graduate to figure out, you know, what do I really want to do with my life? Because we're not spending the time that we need to in those more impressionable years. And I think that's the pocket right there, that 12 to 14 year old, because uh, they're, they're transitioning, if they're girls are transitioning into womanhood. <laughs> They're boy, they're a couple years behind, but um, they're really trying to make their mark and stand out. And I think they get ignored a lot. I don't think their voices get heard. And I think it's a real problem. It's hard to have teenagers and it's, it's hard to make sure that you're doing your best. But I think, I mean, for me, I would love to give anybody this gift of portraiture because I take pretty pictures and they are award-winning. But that's the end result. The process, the experience is really what is really doesn't have a limit of value. It, it's something that you can do. You know, maybe people jump out of airplanes or people, you know, buy concert tickets and they have to be in the front row. Like whatever it is that feeds your soul is what you should be doing. You know, and I'm just honored to be able to work with people of any age and to give that to them. And I get to see it happen right in my studio. It's so rewarding for me. And to have them go home with the portraits is just, you know, the icing on the cake. I mean, the real thing that I love doing is giving this day to, to my clients so that they can just be themselves and remember who they are if they forgot or you know that's that's really my message I, w I want to send and you know I really I really enjoyed being this podcast it's amazing oh thank you very much I really enjoyed having you on this has been awesome and outside of I think me not being able to properly say your website I'm going to say it one more time here jenniferdwarf.com <laughs> J E N N I F E R D W O R E K dot com. It only took me 104 times to get it, but I got it. <laughs> and but Jennifer Dwork, you got it. I got it. But Jennifer Dwork of uh, Jennifer Dwork Photography. Thank you so much for spending all this time, and uh, really enjoyed our talk this week. Thank you so much for having me. It was really my pleasure. 
On the next episode of Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, we have our Global Athena Leadership Award recipient for this year, Carla Harris. She is an accomplished business leader, author, and gospel singer, and she can boil her highly successful career down to two things, excellent work built on constant learning. Plus, Carla also talks about the importance of building relationships. Do not miss this talk. And here's a bit from Carla Harris. Somebody's going to have to say, oh, yes, you know, Jeff is good. Carla's good. But I know Carla or I know Jeff, and I am confident that they would do a great job on this next thing. We would love to have you on our Facebook group. Plus, could you like our Facebook page, too? Put Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, into your Facebook search bar and help us positively shape this podcast.